Hi, it's Louise's Bible Study again. We've been talking about the different types of prayer. I don't think people realize that there was more than just one prayer. Uh, now I lay me down to sleep. My God, my soul shall keep, or however children would pray. We were taught in the early days. Actually, I, did, I didn't grow up in a house of prayer. <clears throat> and my parents took me to church all the time. And uh, we were very faithful to attend church, but we were not a praying family. And I think there are a lot of families that can honestly say that they're not praying families. And uh, what we need to learn about is praying, because I'm going to tell you something. That's one of your lifelines. And God called you into fellowship. And uh, we're not just supposed to exist in this earth. We're to fellowship with God. And so one of the prayers that we're going to talk about is the prayer of praying in the Holy Spirit, the prayer of praying in tongues. Now, let me let me give you a witness testimony in my life about what happened with this in my life. Um, I grew up in a denomination that never, they taught about God. They taught a lot about Jesus and salvation, but nothing was ever mentioned about the Holy Spirit. And I didn't, I knew he was the third member of the Trinity, but I had no idea who the Holy Spirit was or how, what, what difference did it make in my life. And there was a movement that came along in the 60s and the 70s, early 60s, maybe before 60s, but I know in the 70s, uh, called the Word Movement. And it was just was a caught on fire. And mostly a lot in the denominational churches where people had just come to the point of really wanting more and getting less. And so suddenly all these Bible studies started breaking out and we were learning that there was a lot more that was in this word than what we had been taught. And so I was going to this little Bible study, and it was a mixture. We had Catholic. We had Presbyterian. We had Baptist. We had Methodist. We had Episcopalians. It was a real hodgepodge of all different denominations. And my main reason, to tell you the truth, that I went to it was because I was a single mother, and I wanted to be included in some sort of fellowship with some other women. And God used that uh, need in my life to put me in this Bible study. And so I was just a novice, totally a novice. I had no idea about anything that they were teaching on. And I don't think truly they had much idea about what they were teaching on than I did. We were all kind of floundering around in this new thing called faith. But the one thing that was funny was that they kept whispering about something. And I finally cornered my friend and I said, what is it y'all keep whispering about? What's this thing? And she went, well, we, we've, we've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I said, well, that's good. What's that? <laughs> and she went, well, you can't talk about it. And I said, what do you mean you can't talk about it if you've received it and it's something from God? Why can't, well, but you see, we'll get in real trouble with our churches. We, we might even get kicked out of our churches. Some of our husbands don't know it. You know, we, we, could, we could really get persecuted for this. And I thought, well, this is really weird. 
why would you want to receive something and be half half in and half out excited about it? it if it's from God, is it not good? So I didn't pursue that any further. I thought, well, that man, that sounded good. Okay, whatever. And I, for those of y'all who know anything about Kenneth Copeland Ministries, he had a woman working for him named Billy Bram. And Billy Bram is dynamic in the Word of God, and she is was his prayer. She took she was in charge of his uh, prayer part of his ministry. And she came to Lakeland, Florida. Lakeland, Florida would, really took off during the early 70s, uh, spiritually, to tell you the truth. And so she came to Lakeland, and my friend said, uh, there's this uh, lady named Billy Brown that's um, meeting in a Bible study, and you want to go? And I thought, yeah, 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 I love to go. I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea what she was going to be teaching. But I was so excited to get to go. I didn't even take my Bible. I was so excited. And I was just so, I don't know why I was excited. I just seemed to be excited. And I got there and it was packed. The whole place was packed, the house. And I was sitting on the stairs, about three stairs up, two stairs up. I won't exaggerate, about two stairs up. And I can't even tell you today what she talked about. I really don't even remember. But I do remember at the end, she said, is anybody here want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And I just jumped, literally jumped over one lady and was standing there in front of her. And I said, me, I do. And she laid hands on me. And all of a sudden, I started speaking this strange language. And uh, I, oh, I went away from there so excited. There was such a joy in my heart. I mean, I had an excitement like you couldn't believe. I was so thrilled. And I didn't even know what I was supposed to be thrilled about. And I remember going home. And it's like learning a new language. If you've ever taken a language, when you start out speaking it, you don't become as fluent like as my husband is in Spanish. You, you start out stumbling around and, you know, developing, so to speak, your speech pattern and whatever. But I never had a problem taking off and speaking in my prayer language. And I learned after the fact of the biblical, the biblical statements on what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is and why we need to receive it. You know, it seems to be such a scary topic. I had one minister say, well, anybody that speaks in that tongue is of the devil. Well, if that's the case then we've got the whole book of Acts. Y'all need to just take it out of your Bible, start tearing the pages out, and saying all of this is of the devil. And if you're going to start tearing the pages out of the book of Acts, you might as well just rip the whole thing up. And I thought, well, that, that was that's kind of a strange statement. Why would you say something like that? And <laughs> it's out of ignorance, people. And I remember this neighbor I had once, she said um, her her child was uh, going through something, needed to know something about the Holy Spirit. And she, did, she didn't have any clue. She didn't, was supposed to help him. Didn't know what to say. And I, I said, she, I said something about somebody. And she said, oh, they're one of those tongue talkers. Oh, you just have to stay away from them. They're one of those tongue talkers. And I said, really? 
And I said, how long have you known me? She said, oh, I've known you about 30 years, but since you, about 1985 when you moved here, right? I said, would it surprise you if I told you I was one of those tongue talkers? And there was dead silence on the other end of the phone. She didn't know what to say. Because you see, I, I didn't I didn't have weird horns growing out of my head. Um, I didn't look strange. I didn't even act strange. And there I was, one of those tongue talkers. Um, we associate so often people that are Pentecostal and or say, or say they're baptized in the Holy Spirit as being snake handlers and those who want to drink deadly poison to test it. That is not scriptural. That is not scriptural. Uh, that has been such a, uh, a device of Satan to get people to stay away from one of the best tools that God has given us to, to, to operate in in this dispensation. And so I want to give you some spirit, spiritual a word to, to build on so you will know that I'm not saying that you're not saved if you don't speak in tongues. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying that you're less of a Christian if you don't speak in tongues. I'm just saying this is a gift that has been given to the body of Christ, and it's your choice. It's up to you whether you want to receive it or not receive it. But I want to tell you what it is so that you can make a clear understanding, clear-minded understanding of what it is and if you want to receive it. And so if you have your Bibles out and you're with me, turn to Acts chapter 1. And Jesus is talking uh, before he had gone up to to the last time before he ascended up into heaven. And he said, um, Therefore, when you have come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? This is verse 6. And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. In verse 8, he says, But you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, I want you to underline the two words. Receive power and come upon you. Now, uh, if you turn over in the book of Acts and go to chapter 2, it says, now, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Oh, some ministers say, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I read that. I know that. I see that. But that was just for the early church. That's because they needed that in the early church. That all stopped with the last apostle. Really? That's interesting. 
because it's still continuing on today, even though others would deny it. Why would God begin a program and then stop it when we in this church in the latter day need every single thing that we can get our hands on in the spirit realm to do battle with the enemy? Why would he give them something and take it away when we need it today as much as they did then? Another, <coughs> excuse me. I want you to go to Acts 8. Go over to Acts 8. Um, you know, if God has put it in his word and he started it today, He's con- or then he's continuing it today. And uh, this is the story of uh, Paul. And in verse um, 17, it says, When Paul, after he received Jesus as his Lord and Savior, and he was uh, Ananias, had come to his house to minister to him. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, on Paul, he said, Brother Saul, or Paul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So there was an infilling of the Holy Spirit now, Paul had already been a believer because he received, because the minute he saw Jesus, he called him Lord. So he already had received Jesus as his Lord and Savior. <clears throat> so this is a second experience. What I am showing you is there are two baptisms. There is a baptism into Jesus and there's a baptism into the Holy Spirit. When you're born again, the Holy Spirit picks you up basically and baptizes you into Christ. We are baptized into Jesus. And then when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Jesus picks you up and baptizes you into the Holy Spirit. Are you saying, Louise, that I don't receive the Holy Spirit when I'm born again? No. No, you receive a portion of the Holy Spirit. You really, you could, you could be born again if you didn't have a portion of the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't mean that your cup runneth over. You see, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, your cup runneth over and you begin to speak in tongues and all the power gifts enter into your life. And you will never see the gifts of the Spirit, which we we will teach on coming up. You'll never see the gifts of the Spirit are being taught in churches that do not recognize the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the reason is because they don't come unless there is a baptism into the Holy Spirit. It's the baptism that brings the gifts. Now, let's go over to chapter 9. And um, in chapter 9, we have... um, No, I'm sorry. Um, We've already done chapter 9. I want us to go to... um, 917 yeah let's chapter 8 1425 I seem to have jumped ahead of myself um okay uh in chapter 14 um now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria 
had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Now, when it says that they received the word of God, meaning they became believers, they were they were believers, they were born again. And when they had come down, prayed for them that they might might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's that's salvation. And then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Do you see that there are two baptisms there? They said there would have been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then they laid their hands on them and they were baptized or received the Holy Spirit. So there's two there's two baptisms that take place there. All right, I want you to go over to chapter 10, verse 44. And it says, um, no, it's, uh, I'm sorry. Um, ver- yeah, 44, chapter 10, verse 44 of Acts. And it says, now, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And once they heard the word, they had the faith to receive the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's not the new birth. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift, I want you to underline that, the gift. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift, just like salvation is a gift. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit had come upon them, had been poured out on the Gentiles, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. See, when you receive the baptism, there is also the speaking of tongues. And people say, well, I want the baptism, but I don't want the tongues. Really? Because the tongues are a manifestation of the baptism. So let me stop right here. We got one more passage we're going to go over. Um, uh, because why tongues? I, don't, I have no problem with this baptism of the Holy Spirit, Louise. I just don't want this tongue business. You know, I, I asked the Father, because as I was ministering to people a lot, that came up. And I said, why, why is tongues? And he, he gave me several examples of why. But he said, one, it's a supernatural language. When you pray in tongues, you're praying directly to the Father through the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit is praying through you a supernatural language to the Father pertaining to you. And I said, well, uh, why, why can't I understand this? He says, well, you can instant have the interpretation of the prayer. But most of the time, it's a supernatural prayer to the Father pertaining about things that are going to happen in your life and in other people's lives that God doesn't really want you in on because if you got in on it, you'd mess it up. Ever messed it up? We do. We want to help God out. And he doesn't want our help. 
And this is sometimes I can pray for other people for situations in their lives. I don't have to know the details. God doesn't even want me to know the details of what's going on. And I can pray in the Holy Spirit. And I can be assured that when I am praying in this supernatural language, that the perfect prayer is being prayed to the Father. Uh, I, you know, there are a lot of times we pray, but we get so involved in the natural that we don't pray the perfect prayer to the Father for either ourselves or for others. But you can be assured that when you pray in the Holy Ghost, it is the perfect prayer that is being prayed. And the other thing is this. Let's face it. It's a point of pride. It's a point of turning loose of yourself and putting your pride aside and letting God be God, however he wants to do it. God says over in 1 Corinthians, my ways are not your ways. My ways seem foolish to the natural man. You see, the foolishness of God is wisdom unto the Lord. God does not do things like we want things often done. And what seems very foolish in our eyes is wisdom unto God. So he does, he has us doing this. I think it's a commitment. I think it's when we can commit to this, I think it's a way of, of turning loose. Um, there's one, there's one other uh, in verse 15 of chapter 11, verse 15. And it says, and as I heard, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon all of us at the beginning. And then I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then God gave them the same gifts as he gave us. There's one other, and that is chapter 19. And I want to do that. I, my husband told me I have to roll this thing up, but I don't want to quit right now because I want to finish this. And it's chapter 19 and starting with verse 5. And it says, <clears throat> or start with verse 4. And then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's salvation. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So there is the the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you ha can have hands laid on you to receive it, or you can just ask for it yourself. You don't necessarily always have to have somebody else lay hands on you for it. So I pray that you will meditate on these things. I pray you will look these scriptures up for yourself. Don't take my word for it. And uh, then you ask God about it, and he will give you the direction you need. But uh, I hope you join me again this next time as we continue in our study on prayer. And I love every one of you and have a blessed week. Bye-bye.